0: Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This week, Pastor Jen Zerby began a new series called Uncomfortable. In this first message, Jen specifically discusses commitment and references 1 Peter chapter 2, in which we, as the church, are called a royal priesthood. Jen encourages us to consider that while compatibility with a church is important, commitment to the community of Jesus Christ should always be the priority. Remember, you can watch our live stream that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or you can always find us at hillcrestacalb.com. Grace and peace. I just want to be real clear that the whistleblowing and the time limits, that was just a phase earlier in the service. It doesn't <laughs> apply to the rest of the service. So just Bill left the flag up here. So, so I, realize, I realize this is a little risky, because I'm not really sure how long this game ran. And I know there are not a ton of females my age that, that are here right now. But did any of you grow up playing the game M.A.S.H.? Not the TV show, The Game. Christina, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I knew there'd be a few of you. Okay. Um, It's not the TV show. It's MASH. It stood for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, and House. Now, for those of you who were not blessed enough to be raised in the 80s, um, MASH was the ultimate game that determined your future. This is what it looked like. It looked like some version of this, at least. It stood for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, and House and I'll explain it to you. You'd write MASH at the top like that, and then there were all these categories. Now, when my friends and I played, we were MASH purists. And so the categories were always the same. We never added to them. They were always husband, car, job, location, and pet. And that was it. You weren't allowed to add any other categories. And the way we played was that there were three, not four, like this. We would play that there were three options for each category. And, and you would get to pick two of them and then your friends would get to pick the third one. So for instance, you might have chosen for your husband, say, um, Rob Lowe or Luke Perry, right? But your friends then would choose, like, the dorky kid that lived next door, okay? And that's how it went for all the categories. You'd get two options. Your friends would get one. You'd fill in all these categories, and there there was a really exact science to narrowing down the categories, which it's too lofty to explain to all of you who don't understand it. But at the end of it, you would have your life. And so this person is going to live in an apartment, married to Leonardo DiCaprio, drive a Mercedes, they'll work for Saturday Night Live and they'll live in Landfield, wherever that is. They'll be a millionaire with a pet bunny. And this was how we determined our futures. Never mind the fact that we played this game 50 times in one hour. This was fate, and this would be our life. We were sure of it. And then as we got a little older, as we got into high school, got into college, things changed. Now, again, I don't know if this next thing is connected to kind of what was a growing consumeristic culture, or if it was connected to 90s purity culture in the church, or if this was something that girls have done forever. I'm not really sure. But by the time I got into college, the thing to do was to have a list. Did you have a list? You had a list, yeah. Did you have a list, Christina? Yeah, we all had lists. You had a list. No longer was our future going to be determined by the fate of a silly mash game. No, 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 things were serious now, and so we had a list. The list, of course, was all of the things that our future spouse must possess. And these lists were insane. They were pages, pages long. He can't drink black coffee. He has to drink coffee with one cream and one sugar. He should be between 6'1 and 6'1 and a half. He should have dark brown hair to, like, super dark brown hair. He should breed golden retriever puppies and be passionate about his job, which should be in a meaningful field where he's saving people's lives. I mean, the, the lists were they were insane. Now, for those of you and us who might still be looking for a spouse, to be clear, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be picky somewhat. (laughs) That changes as you get older. Now you're like, oh, he's got a job close enough. But (laughs) 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 But these, these these lists were crazy. And these lists completely, completely reflected the, the consumeristic society that, we, that was becoming more and more prevalent at the time. It, we were, it was just becoming overwhelming. Everything was consumerism. Right? 1974, Burger King came out with their most famous slogan, have it your way, right? And it just spoke right into the consumeristic revolution that we were going through. At one point in time, we didn't have all these choices. There was one kind of car and that's what you drove. There was one brand of milk, there was one model of telephone and there was one size of refrigerator. And, and yet it changed so quickly. In a matter of just a couple of decades, we went from having a choice or two to having way too many choices to make. And the consequences, one of the consequences of having too many choices to make, it, excuse me, is that everything becomes about me. What I want, how I want it, when I want it. And one of the consequences of that is that we become a commitment-phobic society. When you have only one option for something, you're going to be satisfied with that one thing. You're not always going to be wondering when the next one is going to be coming out or if your neighbor has a better one because you all have the same one. But when you grow up in a culture that tells you that you should get everything your way, You start to believe that that is the good, and right, and healthy way to live. And so as soon as what you have doesn't feel like what you want, you just trade it in for the next new thing. That could be a new pair of heels, or a home, or a human being. The world around us keeps telling us that we should have what we want, how we want it, when we want it, the way we want it. Regardless of its effect on anybody else, the end goal is personal happiness. Be your own person, celebrate you, do whatever makes you happy, be as picky as you need to be, and if what you end up with isn't what you really want, then go out and get something better. Right? That's the culture we live in. Well, this morning we are launching into a new series that we're calling Uncomfortable. And we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the reality that despite what our culture continues to beat into our heads about our own personal happiness, we were actually created not for individualism, but for community. And community, uncomfortable as it sometimes is, I promise you, is where you are going to find your best and fullest self. And I want to start the series this morning by talking about the very thing that our society is worst at which is commitment. According to the Gillespie Shields marriage statistics, in 2021, there is a divorce every 13 seconds in the United States. That means that during our hour of church here this morning, there's gonna be 277 divorces in the United States in one hour. My grandfather was a World War II Navy vet. And then after that, he worked for the same company for his entire career. And he was not exceptional in that. That was the norm for his peers. Today, do you know what the median tenure is for an employee to stay in their job? Yeah, you guys are pretty, it's 2.8. 2.8 years. Now, there are a lot of complicated factors to that. We're not going to get into that this morning, but you see my point here. 2.8 years. In a world with this many choices, there is constantly a better option out there tempting us. Whether that's our job, our spouse, whatever it is, the grass always looks greener, and we always seem to desire something else, something more, something different. And if we are commitment phobic where we work, and we're commitment phobic when it comes to who we're with, then you know that that must be true of our time with the church as well. And admittedly, part of the problem is that the church, capital C, churches have played right into this consumeristic mentality Churches have made people believe that you should be able to find everything you need in one place. Churches have catered to consumerism. So my next question for you this morning is, what what is on your perfect church list? If you were to create the perfect church, what would be on your list? Now, some of you have been in this church for a really long time, and so you think that you haven't asked that question in a while, but I guarantee you that you have. I guarantee you that every single time we've played a song that you don't like, or the service is too long, or the sermon is boring, or the leadership makes a decision that you wouldn't have made, or we move your favorite seat, or we change your favorite event, every time the church didn't cater to what you want, or a decision that you would have made, then it's you designing the perfect church in your own mind. Some of you might be newer to Hillcrest, and so you've been recently church shopping. And so this question might be fresh in your mind. You wanted a church that has biblical teaching. You want a church that's casual enough that you don't have to worry about what you're wearing, but sacred enough that it reminds you of your childhood church. You want fun programming for your kids. You want a place where you can serve. A church that cares about global missions or music ministry or social justice or the local community or whatever it is that you are most passionate about. And then some of you maybe here this morning are brand new to church and you're not even sure you're looking for a church. And even if you were, you're not sure what you would be looking for except maybe a place where you can be yourself and where people aren't super judgy. Well, I hate to tell you, but just as your job is not perfect... And just as your spouse is not perfect, there is also no such thing as a perfect church. In fact, there's a a really, really famous um, 19th century preacher. His name was Charles Spurgeon. And he said this once, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Right? But we, but we need church. Is church what makes you a Christian? No. Does church save you? No. But do we need church? Yes. And here's why. This is a quote that I love by an author named Brett McCracken. He says, A faith, listen to this, A faith of isolation has nothing prophetic to say or revolutionary to offer to a world of isolation. So we need church, but no church is perfect. So what are we supposed to do with that? Let's take a look at our scripture reading for this morning. It comes to us from the book of 1 Peter. You can follow along. There's Bibles in front of you. The words will be up on the screen here, or you can just listen if you'd rather. From 1 Peter chapter 2, We're going to be looking, um, starting at verse 4. So Peter, in this text, before we read it, Peter happens to be writing this letter to a group of churches who are actually dealing with persecution, okay? And so I want to be clear that the context is not the same. Our context is not the same. This was a group of churches that were dealing with persecution. but, But what Peter had to say to the church is still applicable to us. And so look at 1 Peter 2 starting at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then jump down to verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So Peter is making an assumption here when he writes this. Because he was writing this to a church, he is assuming that the people who are reading this text, A, have already all made a decision to follow Jesus, which may not be the case here, and that's okay. And B, that the people who have chosen to follow Jesus are, are continuing to pursue the things of God. They're reading scripture. They're spending time in prayer. And so Peter is assuming that about you as a reader when you read this text. Peter is reminding them that just as Jesus is the living stone, which means two things. One, that Jesus is still alive meaning he has come back, he's been resurrected, Jesus is alive, and two, that he is the cornerstone of our faith. So as Jesus was a living stone, but he was also somebody who was rejected by humanity. Even though he was rejected by humanity, scripture says here he was chosen by God. Similarly, Peter knows that we as human beings may experience rejection in this life. We may know what it is to have people turn their backs on us, But still, God chose us. God chose you. I wouldn't always say this, but you can put your own name into that text if you want to. You also, Jen, are like living stone being built into a spiritual house. And then down in verse 9, Peter is saying we are chosen again. You, Linda, are chosen. You, Ben, are chosen. You, Chris, are chosen. You are chosen. Not only are you chosen by God and loved by God, but Peter says you are a royal priesthood. That's a weird thing to call us. Why does he call us a royal priesthood? Well, you see, in that culture, priests were the only people who were allowed to have access to God. Listen to that. In their culture, their priests were the only ones who were allowed to have access to God. And now Peter is saying, you all are a royal priesthood. This is huge news. This is huge news. This means that you now have access to God. You don't need any mediators. You don't need anybody to speak on your behalf. You don't need a priest to speak on your behalf. God has chosen you. God has granted you full access to him just as you are. And then on top of all of that, Peter is showing us in this text what a community looks like that is totally focused on Jesus. If you want to be a living stone, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, then you will become a community that is willing to put your personal preferences aside for the sake of this holy nation, for the sake of this church community whose primary purpose is to worship God, to make God's name known. You're making not just a commitment to Jesus, but a commitment to Jesus's community, the church. And so bringing that back to today, While compatibility matters somewhat when it comes to finding a church, commitment matters far more. And so you'll notice when you're here at Hillcrest, I hope you notice that we are a church that values unity over uniformity. Here's what I mean by that. If you look around on any given Sunday, you will probably find a couple of people who really like to dress up on Sunday mornings. And you will also find some people who don't want to dress up on Sunday mornings, right? And then once you get to know people a little bit, you might learn that there are people here who don't actually like that we have drums in the sanctuary. And there are other people here who don't particularly care for the fact that we have an organ in the sanctuary, but we play both here. Go even deeper and you'll learn that this church does not vote the same in political elections. In fact, this church is all over the map in political elections. It's super fun. <laughs> You'll learn that we don't have the same opinions on some pretty tough, like touchy theological topics. So how and why are we all together in this one little church? Because while compatibility matters, commitment matters more. Now, to be fair, not every church is for everyone. It is okay for you to have things that you really need in a church particularly in a season of your life, and it is okay if those things change. It's okay if what you really need in a church right now is a thriving children's ministry, and you're willing to sacrifice some other things for the sake of getting your kids what they need most. That's okay. It's okay if you need a church right now that has an AA group or a grief or a divorce care group. It's okay if liturgy is really important to you or if you need to be somewhere where you can serve on a music team. Those things are okay. And also, at some point, we need to take the step to commit. C.S. Lewis wrote, in plain language, the question should never be, do I like that kind of service? But are these doctrines true? Is holiness here? Does my conscience move me toward this? Is my reluctance to knock at this door due to my pride or my mere taste or my personal dislike of this particular doorkeeper? Is holiness there? Is the Bible taught there? Is there space for the Holy Spirit there? Does my soul move me towards this place? Personal preferences are not always reasons to stay away from church. In fact, sometimes the exact reason a church challenges us or makes us uncomfortable is the exact reason why a church is a good fit for us. Maybe you are being called to lean into the discomfort of an imperfect church because that's exactly where your own growing edges are going to get sanded down a bit. We are much more comfortable on our own. I know that. We are much more comfortable in a world that tells us that we not only can but should have things exactly the way that we want them. It's way more comfortable being told that all of your whims should be met and that all of your personal choices should be a priority. But for those who choose Jesus, comfort cannot be our priority. For we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, and our call is not to ourselves and our own preferences, but a commitment to the community of church. It doesn't have to be this church. If this church is not the place where you are being drawn nearer to God, let us help you find a place that is. Now obviously by now you have probably guessed that my choice to talk about commitment to church on the Sunday that we are asking people to sign up to serve (laughs) is probably not an accident. (laughs) Because for some of you this is where you are in your journey of faith. Maybe you've been dancing around the idea of committing to this community for a while and you know that the next step is for you to use the gifts that God has given you to serve this place. But that's not where everyone is. And that's okay. We're all in a different place in our journey of faith. And so for some of you, the commitment that God might be leading you towards this morning is one of a relationship with him. Maybe you've been checking out church for a little bit. You still have a thousand more questions. But you know that there's something in your spirit that is longing to say yes to Jesus. And so for you, your commitment might be that life-altering moment of saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe for some of you, this is your first Sunday here and you're super weirded out about all the Jesus talk and you're not quite sure if you believe in it at all and that's okay too. Maybe for you, your commitment is to keep asking questions. Maybe for you, your commitment is to come to Alpha, to begin to just have some intentional faith-centered conversations Just to see where it goes. Some of you have been coming to church here for a while now. And you maybe don't know all the history or the customs here yet, but you feel at home here. And you feel like you're maybe ready to put down some roots here. If that's you, I encourage you to look at joining one of our ministry teams today. Some of you have called Hillcrest home for a very long time, and you're already serving on a team, and you already show up to all of the things And so maybe your next commitment is to never, ever again see yourself as a guest in this church, but as a host. Maybe it's time for you to step into leadership, to offer to lead a Bible study or to start a new ministry team. Bottom line, friends, is that you're you're never going to agree with everything that goes on here. You're never going to love every choice that's made. You're never going to love every sermon topic or every Bible study offered. You're not always going to love our Advent themes or our Wednesday night ministry options or the color of anything we choose around here. But please do not let our consumeristic culture dictate your faith. It is good and right for you to try to find a church that focuses on the things that are important to you. Find a church that is biblical, that meets the most pressing needs of your family, a place where the teaching is solid, where there's room for the spirit to move and then commit to it, stick it out, grow, change with it. If Hillcrest is a good fit for you, isn't a good fit for you, like I said, we want to help you find a different church. If you need a church that's closer to home or something that just connects with your family better, we are here to help you with that too. If you feel like Hillcrest is a place where you can encounter God in a meaningful way, then we welcome you with open arms and we would love for you to get involved as soon as you are ready. Whatever you do, commit, for you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people created for community. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for this reminder this morning. I know these terms are strange, this holy nation, this royal priesthood, these, these are not words or phrases that we use here, but Lord, I pray that you would remind us what that means. I pray that you would remind us, God, that you didn't create us to do this life all by ourselves. Isolation is dangerous. It's dangerous on every aspect, in every aspect of our lives. It's dangerous. It's dangerous in our faith too, Lord. We were created for community. We were created to be in community with each other where we can have hard, truthful conversations with each other, where we can experience accountability, where we can find people who love us no matter what, where we can find a place that we can grow. Ultimately, Lord, where we can be in a community community that worships you, that loves you, that grows deeper in their relationship with you. And so God, whether that's for us, whether that's Hillcrest or another church, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to commit something that's so antithetical to our culture today. God, we know that you honor our faithfulness. We thank you, God, for the way that you draw us closer to you and for the ways that you're doing that even now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.